for listening to our podcast today. This episode is brought to you by Peterson Toyota, your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tynmouth for more than 50 years. These guys are huge Colorado State supporters and partners. They love CSU, and you could tell with the way they celebrated the Rams' big win over CU on social media last night, just as we all did. Peterson's got all the latest Toyota models and a friendly and accommodating staff that is eager to assist you. Now in stock is the highly anticipated first ever 2024 Grand Highlander with an adult sized third row. This vehicle looks beautiful. Stop in for a test drive. You'll receive first class attention. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa here with Mike Rowe and our good friend Steve Ivey of Crackers College Hoops. We just witnessed his podcast. And his podcast, that's Crackers College Hoops, is a podcast and a blog, Mike. Get it straight. It's all in <laughs> Taste uh, straight, less filling. That's right. You, it's a lot easier to just sit and talk than it is to think about writing up a blog, isn't it, Steve? It, it is. You, I saw you couldn't muster up the strength after a late-night hoops game to, to whip one up before a long run. Yeah, uh, I, I felt horrible about that. I really did. I started writing it in my head, and then I got tired and had to get ready to to pack and do all kinds of stuff. So it's basically written once I get the energy uh, yeah. to, to just sit down and type. It's all in my head right now. We'll talk over a lot of what I was, I was going to add to doing my, uh, doing my blog. We'll, we'll talk stream that of consciousness today. for you here, right here. This is your opportunity to spew it all out. But uh, man, one of the best basketball environments I have ever witnessed at Moby. And we've seen some great ones, you know, back in the stew days, there were some huge, raucous crowds for like BYU games, New Mexico, Utah. We had some great ones with Eustachie, the Orange Outs, the Harlem Shake game. Um, there's always border wars, always rocking. And then the games, when, when CU does come to, to Moby, it's always really hype. But this one just was different, man. It was the students were in early. It was loud. The stripe out worked. I know we were talking about that beforehand, Steve. We weren't sure if it was going to work. It worked. It was great. Uh, the event staff, I just thought that the band, the music, everything was like they did it well. And then you finally send a, a great crowd home happy. Like how often does it seem like we have those big games and you get a big crowd and you send them home disappointed? It just it happens more often than not for CSU and, and then you lose momentum. But I'm just so happy, uh, happy for Nico. I'm thankful for him stepping up and, and having um, his team ready to go. And uh, thankful that the game, the players are gamers. You know, when CU made a run, we answered every run. We didn't wilt. We battled. Um, and we did it shorthanded without Pat. We certainly uh, we certainly didn't, didn't play great, I didn't think, um, which is encouraging. You had Zay with two points at half. You had our other starting point guard, or other starting guard, Josiah Strong, who only had the steal and the layup at the end of the half. So I think we had a total of four points from our two starting guards at halftime, and yet we're up 15. It just shows you that we win with – with other things, you know, defense, tenacity, aggression, taking care of the ball. And I what I think we only had one turnover in the entire second half. Zay had that little travel late. Um, but just uh just it was really impressive to watch the way that that we pulled that out. Um and it was kind of crazy. We outshot 
54.5% to 50.9. We're out rebounding 34-21. They had us beat in several metrics, but yet we we win the game and kind of controlled it most most of the game. How was that one? Yeah, so you know, I I, I think the the first half, Mikey, did you watch it on TV? I did watch it on TV last night. I I, I got to guess because I saw Joel there. Um, I got to guess we looked really good on TV in that first half because the energy level was really good. We were rebounding, we were running, we were moving the ball, and I. I think that's probably that's the best half that I've seen this year. Obviously, I didn't go to the Kansas the games in Kansas City with Boston College and, and uh, Creighton, but it's the best first half we played. We've we've been a second half team most of the year, and we came out and I mean we were we were just aggressive. You know, you saw an early uh, early Josiah Strong uh, tying up uh, KJ Simpson on a drive to the hoop. Saw a lot of tough rebounds. You saw, saw guys leaking out on the on the uh, in transition, and then once they got it going with the subs, um, when Palmer and Lake, um, it was basically Zay Zay driving the bus. Once they figured out that uh, CU was defending uh, heavily on the pick and roll stuff down low, that the uh, the openings were on the weak side. Uh, the guy standing in the corner. That's and Palmer and uh, and Lake were standing there. Zay hit them. They caught it. They shot it. They made them. And that was that was CSU basketball at its best when they extended that lead. That was fantastic basketball. And that's how they did it. They did it by playing an unbelievable first half and then doing enough in the second half against a very uh, CU was very good last night. I thought in the second half they uh, they struggled a little bit in the first half, but they were very good. They got it going and. Uh, and it was like each it, the, that lead felt like it went from six to eight to six to eight for about 10 minutes where they just went back and forth at each other. And basically the Rams fought in that second half against a team that was uh, playing as good as it could play. And CU is a very good team. So I asked how they did it. They did it by by not turning the ball over. They got, I think, nine extra possessions uh, via turnovers. And that made up for the uh, that made up for the rebounding disadvantage, and then they made more threes than, than CU. Yeah, I saw points off turnover seventeen to nine in our favor there, and then like you said, that just some key performances off the bench. We we outscored them twenty seven thirteen in bench points as well. So um, that the, the the three shots that from from Joe Palmer were huge, and Jalen Lake. I mean, was that had to be one of his best games as a Ram. And it came at a huge time with a broken finger, no less. It's just a bizarre scenario to know that you're going to be missing. He's getting surgery today, I believe. And he'll be out next four. He's not going to be playing until mid-January. So, um, and he came out and was really a huge factor in that win. Yeah, yeah. I, we're, we're, we're fortunate that it wasn't his shooting hand. Obviously, yeah. we wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have seen him uh, uh, play if it was his shooting hand. And, you know, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of guts to play with a with a broken finger that you know needs surgery and uh, and for him to do it uh, you know he basically said I I'm gonna I can do it I don't have surgery yet so I can help the team and a lot of credit to him he's a very quiet young man he's not very flashy he's just a very very good basketball player who defends his position well. And um, he's a he's a good shooter. He struggled early to shoot, but he's starting to catch on now. And you, you see what happens when the Rams get the outside shooting. They really uh, they can torch some pretty good teams. 
Every, everyone's going to talk about Isaiah's game and 20 and 10 is amazing. I mean, he, he contributed for 40 plus points because you got to think uh, some of those assists were on three pointers. Jalen Lakes, that is an all time legendary CSU game. Dude's got a broken finger. And he comes up, and what, what did he finish with, 17 last night? Um, and, you know, knocking down all three free throws right before half ends and turning it from a 10-point lead to a 13-point lead and then Josiah coming through and, and picking it off and laying it in at the buzzer to explode that up to a 15-point lead. But what he did on defense and, and what he did on offense – knowing what was getting ready to happen. It's, it's, I mean, that goes up there with the head spike that goes up there with Cecil carrying eight buffs into the end zone for a score. And, and I've always been a Jalen Lake fan. I hate when people bash on him on the message boards, like he is a good basketball player. He is, he is perfect for this system. He is perfect for what, Nico wants from him, and last night is just – I mean, that goes up with one of my all-time favorite performances that I have witnessed from a CSU athlete. You know, I, I, I think you're dead on, Mike. You know, and I think in Jalen's case, it was the team commitment. They really wanted this game against CU. Um, I think they were embarrassed last year. Um, and it meant a lot to them and it meant a lot to the fact that they had a, they had a teammate that, uh, in Neat Clifford that played at CU last year. And I think they wanted to play for him as well. And I think they wanted to play for Joel Scott as well, whose brother, uh, Josh played at CU. And I think that was, it meant a lot to every one of them, uh, including Isaiah who had never beaten CU. That was just kind of just another, uh, just another notch in his, in his belt um, yesterday for, for his greatness. Um, but it, the game meant a lot that, that that's that there's no doubt about it. And, and Jalen wanted to make sure he was a part of that. So I thought that was fantastic. Do you have any conversations with Neek and, and the dynamic of him playing against his old team or, I mean, he said everything real yeah. diplomatic in the post game and was real classy about it and what it meant to play in that program, but uh, how this is a good situation for him. Have you talked to him about, about that? Yeah, I actually, I actually did. I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun because um, that's how he was. That's how he was talking post game uh, to everybody. I, I approached him with one question. I had one question for him. I said, Hey, Nick, I got a question for you. How does it feel to be the only player in this building that's on a two game winning streak. <laughs> and his answer was, that don't matter. I'm just happy. We're seven and zero. it was an important game to him, but he is so happy. And he was so focused on the win to get them to seven and zero. it happened to be CU. It meant a lot to him, I'm sure, but that wasn't the primary thing. The primary thing was how do we go from six, six and O to seven and O. And I thought that was a tremendously mature response. And he's usually pretty open with me about stuff. He's uh, he doesn't, he doesn't hold back, but that's, that's where his head was at yesterday. And if you watch Joe, I don't know how much you, uh, you watch pregame, but during warmups, yeah. the number of times that, you know, he was warming up and a CU player would come over and they'd chat 
um, and to shake hands, say hi. He's still very close with those yeah. guys. And and the one thing that I thought was was really good yesterday was the the respect between both teams. And I think that was driven by the fact that Neek has been uh, in both programs. I thought the game was played very hard, but very respectfully yesterday. Um, there was no nonsense that took place on the court. I think Neek was, uh, was a good part of that. Uh, he could have, you know, some guys might turn it inside out and turn it into, you know, go on their own agenda. He certainly didn't do that. He was very much uh, under control playing the way he knows how. And, uh, and he really helped the Rams win. But like you, like I said, um, it was all about going from six o six and o to seven and o yeah last night for him. Yeah, Luke O'Brien and him, I think, are pretty tight. They were Luke was trying to get in his kitchen a little bit, talking some trash, and and uh, we were noticing it. I didn't realize that they were friends, but we were talking. I, I grew up with um, with Luke's mom, Corey, and uh, she went to high school with her and CSU with her, and now her son plays for CU. Um, so that was interesting to her to just talk about. She was really glowing about Neek and his family um, and what great people they are. So that, that was cool. And it, it, it's, it's really kind of cool because in those kind of situations, the players would put a lot of pressure on themselves and try to do a little bit too much. And he just said, played a really calm, good, clean game, hit some big shots, um, got to the rim. I think he hit that one three, but mostly just was getting to the rim. Right. And, um, I thought he played good defense too. So it was a really good game for him. Yeah, his defense was tremendous yesterday. He had uh, he had multiple. Uh, he was on. He was guarding uh, De, De Silva to start with, and De Silva De Silva's a hell of a player. Um, Neek played him really really well. Held him to eleven points. He's an All Pac twelve player. Um, so you know, Neek he had he had De Silva. He had he he picked up a variety of players. You know, and, uh, and he's probably the most versatile defender on the team. He had a great just a great floor game. I thought that probably the key to him just playing well yesterday, he hit that three in the first half. I think that took the tension uh, off of him. And he knew he was, he, he, from there, he looked like he played with a lot of freedom the rest of the game. There was, there was a a early stretch where I felt that he was trying too hard. Um, Thought he took a couple ill-advised threes and kind of, kind of went, attacked the basket a little too crazy, but, you're right. I mean, what once he calmed down, and once he hit that three, it, it, it was it was awesome to see. And I just want to say, what Bushley? I read a read an article, and it's my fault for doing this. Read a <laughs> read an article from one of the the Buff writers, and they talked about uh, Isaiah's twenty, Lake seventeen, and Scott's fifteen didn't say a word about Neek and I'm like man come on give the give the kid some respect he he made a move for himself he made a move for CU's program they got Williams out of this you know and what why why do him like that I it, like it just that rubbed me the wrong way I thought it was completely push and I just I am so glad that he's here um he is fun to watch and you know, he, he, him and Scott and even Johnson coming in the last few games and getting, getting time in the first half, like those guys, they, they bring something different that we, that we haven't had even in that, the 21, 22 season. 
you know, you know, talking about Neek, you know, in the second half, he hit a couple of really nice jumpers. Um, one over De Silva, where he backed him down, shot a fadeaway for the baseline, and then he hit a nice uh, running banker high off the glass. Those are NBA moves. You know, getting getting to this whole thing with CU. You know, the one thing that's apparent, uh, guys, is um, different players thrive in different systems. Um, and Neek is thriving in Nico's system where there's a lot more movement, a lot, a lot less bouncing of the ball, and a lot more sharing of the ball. Um, you know, I just, I, I've had, uh, I just had something, uh, somebody talking about how KJ Simpson was better than Isaiah Stevens last night, and I said KJ Simpson is a perfect fit in Tad Boyle's offense that has a that has a lead guard that wants to bounce the ball a lot and get into the paint. And then maybe look for a pass, but always look to shoot first. And KJ Simpson was going one on one in the first half. Um, and what did that do? I took De Silva out of the game. De Silva was was useless in the second half because it turned into Cody Williams going one on one, and it turned into um, into uh, uh, KJ Simpson going one on one. Between the two of them, they had two assists, and they had the ball in their hands for twenty minutes of the second half. Um, Neek is on a team where he's playing with a point guard who is the consummate point guard who's sharing the ball first. You saw it yesterday in the first half. Um, and Neek is thriving because he knows he's going to get the ball in his spots. And he's averaging 15 points a game as a result. If you put him on that CU team this year, you know, Boyle would never have figured out to use him as a two guard and play him alongside Cody Williams. And actually, because the system doesn't, favor something like that it just doesn't work um he needs guys that can just bounce the ball and get into the paint and that's their game and i it's a it's a very different different kind of offense and it works for what boyle wants to do but it's not the way nico runs an offense and so i i think i think it's worked well for both schools that nick ended up at uh, at csu yeah you know joel you asked earlier how did how did we win that how do we get up by 15 you know, one of the things you look at that first half, Lampkin played a lot. He didn't play that much in the second half. And you look at how CU made their runs in the second half by attacking the basket, but the but the middle was open. In the first half, the middle wasn't open because either Mamba or, or Scott were in the middle with Lampkin, who was just camped the whole time. They didn't they didn't start scoring until that middle started opening up, and then. Then they start gashing it a, a lot like uh, our La Tech and, and Wright State games where we really just have, you know, guys blowing by us and, and, and going towards the basket. So, you know, that was one of the things that what, how they got back in this game. But, again, our coaches made those adjustments and we won. It's crazy seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a second half by Zay. Um, I know he kind of benefited from those four straight free throws, uh, thanks to Tad's <laughs> temper tantrum. Uh, he scored seven of his twenty at the stripe. He had a big three in the second half, double double, of course. Talk of he's the talk of college basketball. Tad was pretty complimentary of Zay, obviously after the game, as well as Joel Scott. The whole environment at Moby. I was curious to see what he was going to say on his post game, so I, I went back when I got home. I listened to it, but. Uh, so that was cool. But uh, Steve, you and I chat after the game and and you had mentioned that if Pat Cartier would have played in this game, he would have just carved up 
CU would have been a great opportunity for him. He he would have carved up Lampkin like you wouldn't believe. He would have had him spinning like a top um, <laughs> with all of his all of his moves. Lampkin's very flat footed. He's a big body. You know, he's a he's a space eater, but not much uh, not much in terms of mobility. And Cartier would have been going left hand, right hand, reverse all kinds of stuff on him. I talked to Pat about that afterward. He said, "Yeah, I wish I could have could have played the game." I wanted to talk about Zay's game a little bit. I gave him a little bit of crap after the game. I thought I thought in terms of Stevens, he's always the best player on the floor. You know, I believe that. Um, I thought he was very average last night, and I told him so. I said, Zay, I thought you were pretty average. He goes, you know, I wasn't very good. <laughs> he looked at me. He said, I wasn't very good. Um, he has high standards, and uh, and you saw his high standards, and they came out in the second half. Um, when he wanted to when, – when the Rams needed a bucket, he got a bucket, yeah. and he, he, hit, he hit that big three, and that was the first uh, – that was the first big momentum uh, – momentum play with about four or five minutes to go to push the lead to 10 after it'd been six. Like I said, it was going six, eight, six, eight. In that case, it was seven, went to 10. And that, that gave the Rams a lot of momentum. The other thing though, I wanted to, to mention part of what Zay was going through. I, I don't know if you saw this, Joel, but he had a thing going with, uh, with ref, uh, Tony Padilla. I don't know if that showed up on TV, Mike, but, uh, Zay almost got teed up. He got, he got fouled in the, uh, Early in the uh, the second half, he shot an elbow jumper, made it, but he got killed. He got hit on the arm, and he went running back, and he's he ran back alongside Padilla, slapping his arm, and Padilla chewed him out. I mean, chewed him out big time. Um, and at the next uh, dead ball, Padilla went over to Nico and told him, tell him to stop because I'm going to tee him up. Padilla is the one that called that stupid travel call. That was the phoniest travel call I've ever seen in my life. That was his way of saying I'm in charge. And that, you know, say calm down. He he obviously he's not one of those people that gets into it with the refs unless. Uh, but in in that in, the, in that case, he got absolutely hacked, and he was getting it. Uh, he was getting it pretty pretty consistently. He he just keeps playing. He had a he had like I said, I thought it was an average game for him. Um, he missed a couple of shots that I think he'd normally make. He had a couple of turnovers that I think uh, he was a little sloppy. But all in but all, you that's saw why in the open. You, yeah, you control. He controls the game. He just basically runs the show. Yeah. Whether they want to play fast or want to play slow, he slows it down at the right time. He speeds it up at the right time, and that's something no one else in that floor was doing last night. Well, we. Um... You know, that's why when I when we were at 15 and you see that Zay really didn't do a whole lot in that first half, that was a good sign. And that's when Mike starts panicking and sending our group text. The, it's it's got to be Zay time now. Zay's got to take over. And then, you know, he's gonna, you know, especially especially when uh, this was his chance to get a win against CU and and uh, add that notch to his, his legacy. As you said earlier, Steve, he wanted it and you just knew he was going to take care of business, take care of the ball, make the shots when we needed him. And he did so. Um, so that was fun. What what do you um how do you think the the team has handled the absence of Pat at the four, you know, with guys playing different positions? Uh shockingly well. Um Mbemba has been tremendous. I have no issues with the way he's played. He's a freshman, he's young, he doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, he's playing a critical position. Now you handle the ball a lot when you're playing uh 
playing at, at that position in Nico's offense. And Pat has really expanded his game this year. Much better passer. I've been pointing that out in all of my uh, the stuff I've been writing and uh, and recording. Um, and Rashawn isn't quite there in terms of the ball distribution like uh, like Pat is. Pat will hit high low passes. Um, he'll hit passes uh, off the bounce to other people. Um, he's been really really good. So Rashawn has done very well. Um, but this team will play better once once uh, once Pat comes back and then you get the minutes from. Uh, from Rashawn as well, it gives him a lot more versatility in terms of lineups, uh, playing big and small. I wanted to, I wanted to go back. You talked about the 15 point lead at halftime. And, um, I had a flashback to 2014. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but way back when we had a 13 point halftime lead in Moby, uh, 52 to 39, we're just rolling over CU and in the second half, we got outscored by about 30. And all it was was CU running a pick and roll to, to Joel Scott's older brother, Josh. And, uh, and I, talked to, I, talked to, uh, I talked to Joel about it after the game. Uh, he's a great guy to talk to. And I said, uh, I, said I, 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 I wasn't comfortable with that 15-point lead. I said, you know, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if you remember, but your brother, I started talking about, he goes, I was at the game. I don't know, he was my older brother. We came up to that game and I remember that game. It was kind of fun watching him. Uh, he was lighting up talking about his brother and everything. And I think that was a, another part of the, the rivalry last night. I think it gives him bragging rights in terms of the, uh, the Scott family, but yeah, he was, he knew that the 15 points was nothing. Um, and they played that way in the second half. They played hard. See, you just happened to play really well in the second half to, to cut into that lead. I'd say uh, William Williams is probably the best CU player I've seen since Chauncey. <laughs> um, he's, he's talented. <laughs> you know, some of those and ones that he had, like dude just kind of hung in the air after getting fouled and, still in the air and then just soft touch like get it in like I, I was I was very impressed with his game yeah I don't Samson high volume got his points but I I don't I didn't think that he was better than Isaiah so whoever your friend was that said that tell him to shut up yeah, yeah. well you know the the Williams the Williams thing I mean he had all he was he was on his way to a at all zeros game in the first half. He had nothing. Um, and obviously I can tell you right now, you, you can bet there was some, uh, some harsh words spoken at halftime by Tad Boyle to his team down 15. Cause they came out fired up and, you know, they, they spread things out and they spread it out for Cody. Williams. you can bet he talked to Cody and, and challenged him. That kid is like you said, he's really good. And if you watch, like you said, they opened up the middle, um, that looked very much like an NBA kind of uh, kind of attack. Um, his game is really built more for the NBA than it is for the uh, for college basketball. He is really uh, really good in the open court in transition. Get the get the lane uh, emptied out. That kid is going to be really really good. And once he gets a little stronger, he's going to be really good because he's still he's still a little slender, still a freshman. Give him another year and you know, give him a year in the weight room. That kid's going to be really, really good. And yes, I was, we were very, I think everybody in the gym was very impressed with him. He's an NBA level player. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's one and done so that we don't have to 
we don't have to see that again next year. If if Tad plays us, that is. Very true. <laughs> what uh how would you rate our ability to break the press last night? Um they started a little slow against it. They got stuck in the corner a couple times. Um but ultimately if you look at it, if they had made free throws like they're capable of making, that, that's a twelve point game. So I I thought they handled it actually reasonably well. And of course, the exclamation point dunk uh, they set up against the press with uh, the dunk by Neek Clifford with about 50 seconds to go that that basically put the game away. That was that was uh, I, I was sitting next to, to, to Brady at the game and I'm with a few minutes to go. I said, this game needs to end with a long pass and a dunk by uh, Clifford against the press. So I was so happy to Good see call. that. It was, well, you could feel it. Um, and you get, you know, the thing about Neek, you get him in the open court, you know, he's pretty good in transition too. And if you get him anywhere near the basket, even with a defender, he's going to dunk on a lot of people. And that was, that was so exciting for me to see. Um, but all in all, I mean, I think they, even though they got stuck a couple of times, they turned it over. I remember Isaiah had one, uh, one turnover pass that got deflected where they gave up a layup, but, all in all, I mean, they handled it. They handled it well. They just needed to, to to make their free throws. I was having flashbacks to that San Diego State game from two years ago. <laughs> he had a 10-point lead with about a, a minute and a half left and turnover, turnover, turnover. But we didn't have David Roddy to hit the game winner and then block it. <laughs> well, you're right. Steve. I, I never felt comfortable. Not at 15, not at nothing. So uh, I was never – Never like okay, this game's over. So, well, you know, and that that was the great that was I did I don't think any of us did. You know, it's a, you just you got to keep fighting, and that's what happens when you have a good game between two good teams. You never accept the fact that the game is over, and you know I thought we played really well. CU was was good, and they had so many chances themselves to fold when we would hit big shots. I mean, they'd get it to six, we get it to eight, we get it to ten. They never folded. They fought hard in that second half, and they played really well. And that's like Joel. I wasn't comfortable either, but in the end, I was because you know you got some pretty good players out there that you can they you can really trust. Yeah, and they can make free throws. They just happen to not make them in the last minute. So, well, what kind of win do you think that was? Is is CU still? Where you thought they were as good as you thought they were? Or are you seeing some chinks in their arm? I think they're. I think they're at least as good as what I thought they were. I was very impressed with them. I was. I, 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 defensively, they we played great offensively. They're they were good defensively, um, with their starters. Um, I think they struggled with a couple of guys off the bench that didn't quite move as well, um, but with their starters, they were really good. And then offensively. I don't like what they do. Um, Boyle claims to be running a five-out offense, but like Mike was saying, and, and you guys were saying, Eddie Lampkin in the first half playing, you can't run a five-out offense when you only got two and a half guys that can shoot three-pointers. Um, they had De Silva, they had Simpson, and you know Cody Williams is kind of okay three-point shooter, but Javon Hadley, who's another starter, he can't make, he doesn't make threes. He's, I don't, I don't know if he even took one. He, I think he was zero for one. Um, you can't run that kind of offense. And so they, they become, they turn into this uh, kind of, you know, like I said, a lot of one-on-one dribbling, get into the paint, 
try and score. And if you can't, if, if they all collapse on you, you find the open guy and he shoots a, a three. That's their offense. And then they pound the glass. They get a lot of offensive rebounds. And um, it's, it works for them. Um, it's their style, their system. And they do it well. And I thought they, I think they defend pretty well too. So I think they're going to be, I, I don't, I don't have any doubt they're going to be an at-large team. They could, and I think they'll compete in the Pac-12. I, they won't, they won't beat out Arizona, I don't think, but they've got a chance to finish as high as second in the Pac-12. I think they're going to be good. Well, you got Washington next. I know you're going out, Steve, and I am as well. Can't wait for that. Um, I think there's a letdown effect, and I, I know I, I heard you preview them a little bit on your last podcast along with CU, but uh, they got size or physical. We could potentially be without Pat again, right? You're not going to have Jalen. And I don't know. Yeah, is, is, is Mimbo, I, is I think right? I'm going to guess we don't have Cartier. Um, I'm going to, and we know we're not going to have Jalen. So if we're missing two of our top six, that's a, that turns it into a challenge. You know, they, they're good. Um, they've got, they've got good players. They're learning how to play together and they, they didn't look so good early in the year against Nevada, but they looked a, a lot better um, against San Diego state. They came, uh, they took San Diego state into overtime before they, uh, before they lost, um, but they basically good, good athletes, good speed, good offense. And then they have three, seven footers that they shuffle in and out that prevent you from scoring at the rim. And they're not afraid to foul you. They're, the way they stop layups is by fouling you. Um, and they have 15 fouls to give and it can be an effective way to play defense. It's uh, they, they just stand right in front of the rim. Um, CSU will miss Cartier because of his uh, perimeter shooting, um, the ability to bring a, a big man out. Um, but uh, Mabemba's shown the ability to hit the three. Um, he's not going to take him as often as uh, as Pat, but uh, uh, we'll see. I don't think there'll be a letdown, Joel. I think there might be a, a little more of a physical challenge given the fact that it's their fourth tough game in, uh, in a week and a half. So it'll be a, it'll be, I think it's going to be a great game. I don't think Bemba went back in after he turned his ankle the other uh, last night. So I, I hope he, I hope he's okay for Saturday. Yeah, I I don't. It looked like he was going to be okay. I mean, he was walking off gingerly, but I don't think there was uh, uh, anything. You never know, but uh, I I think he'll be I think he'll be okay. And I'll tell you what, we're going to need him. Yeah. Um, because again, I'm not sure. We'll see if Kyle Evans can go up against. They have their three seven footers are all pretty physical and they might push Kyle around a little bit. Uh, Kyle's been given good minutes, but uh, he gave good minutes again. A little bit, a little different last night. Yeah. Yeah. He got pushed around a little bit and, um, and that's going to happen. He just needs 20 or 30 more pounds. Um, Good player, but he needs, he needs the weight, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think, I think we'll see a good, a good effort against Washington. I think, well, it'll be, that has a chance to be a very high scoring game. I mean, their game with San Diego state ended up in overtime with like, was it 197? I think it was yeah. something ridiculous yeah, it like was. that. That's what exactly what it was. Um, And then just looking ahead to the following week, DU, that's one of your Cal Pi games, I think. And then uh, what's going on with St. Mary's? They three and four. Yeah. They lost to Weber state. They it, got blasted by the Aztecs, Xavier, and they just lost to Utah at home. I don't know what happened to them because uh, the first few games, um, they looked like an absolute machine. Um, but I think other people have seen them on uh, 
seen them on on film. You know, Weber State came from way down at, at, at St. Mary's and just killed them in the last ten minutes of the game to win that thing. And that was, you know, Weber State is decent, but they're they're a big sky team. Um, they would be, you know, no better than a tenth place team in the Mountain West. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they get smashed by San Diego State, beat them by twenty five. Uh, Xavier, yeah, Xavier beat them by like fifteen or twenty. Utah beat them by ten, and that was in uh, that was at Saint at Saint Mary's as well. So they're struggling. I think there's there's tape on how to beat them. They got one great shooter in uh, Mahaffey. Um, that you gotta you gotta guard him like crazy, but they have other guys you can just sag off on and fill up the paint. They don't have a lot of three point shooters. Well, you guys got anything else you want to talk about before we switch over to football with Mike? You know, one 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 thing I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh about Joel Scott and his game yesterday. You know, I was talking before about systems and styles and who fits where. And I read something, you know, about Boyle talking about Joel Scott saying, well, we were we were interested in him, but we already had a player just like him in Javon Hadley. And when I saw that, I was shocked because you can't compare those two players. Um, Joel Scott is a, a much more complete player. Javon Hadley's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's more of the uh, – He's he, to be. He should be a six man coming off the bench with energy and physicality. They start him as like a two guard, and the guy can't shoot. He can he can make layups and he can rebound. And he's a good defender, but he doesn't have the ability to, to score inside and out and really catch the ball in the low block with his back to the basket like Joel can. And the fact that Joel was a legacy kid whose brother played for Boyle, when I saw that, it was like, well, that just shows you another thing. Joel wouldn't fit in that system either. Because where would they play him? They'd play him as a two guard and he'd just stand around and defend and, you know, never, never really get the ball. He's in a perfect system at uh, CSU. It worked out really well for him yesterday. I asked him one thing after the game, in addition to talking about, uh, you know, the, his, his brother's performance. I said, Joel, is this the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of? And he said, yeah, by far. And he said, it was crazy. He's never heard noise like that. And he said it was just amazing. It was so loud that they'd be in timeouts and he couldn't hear what Nico was saying. It's just, to him, it was just so exciting to be in an environment like that. I know you opened uh, talking about uh, the crowd at Moby, Joel. That crowd was fantastic yesterday. It was really loud. It was good. And it, it is so loud on that floor. Um, and I think guys like Joel... Um, really love that, and I think he's going to thrive as uh, as uh, the season goes on, playing in front of those kind of crowds because he had a, just an absolutely great game yesterday. Great. Fifteen points. I love how he get the ball with his back to the hoop, and he backs guys in, gets the line. He's he was a stud, and uh, and I know you were a big fan of the Sweet Caroline moment, Steve. <laughs> did you hear that Excuse on TV, me. Mike? You could hear it. <laughs> there on tv hey i i give it to the students they knew I, the words i thought you it was know, good it was loud like i don't care what they want to chant I, they were into the game they were they were raucous it was sweet it was i great. thought it was Everything awesome you know mike you probably didn't see the national anthem which was by the way sung very nicely 
it probably uh, delayed the game by about two or three minutes because it was done very slowly. The students so tried to sing along. They were awesome, but they had to stop because she would pause, take a breath, and then sing another line. Yeah. And they kept on trying to join in, and they would stop. But they sang pretty much the whole national anthem, and it was amazing. I thought it was fantastic. It's just the timing was a little off. It was a little off. Yeah, she she paused yep. longer than I've heard anyone pause between each line. But uh, and it, didn't you think there was there was a Darth of CU fans there? I was surprised there at how. I mean, there were some right, but we've seen a lot more in the past. There was a very large CSU crowd. I I didn't hear them. I basically didn't hear them the whole game. I'm used yeah. to hearing. You know, seeing a section in the upper deck that CU fans and then having the section behind the bench. And they had a very small number of people. Um, I think I posted on Twitter. I'm I'm glad they had a small crowd so I didn't have to listen to that god-awful fight song of theirs. But I've heard it in Moby before, and I didn't hear it last night. Well, we sit right behind the visitor bench, so it's there's usually – I mean, you don't get a ton of big opposing crowds in there, but every now and then for a game like this – uh, where they're just right down the road and arrival. I, I thought we'd be surrounded by Buff fans, and we weren't. So even in what the would be a normally a family section for the visitors. So um, I thought it was a great, great support by the Rams. Great that we we rewarded them with a win. And uh, this is going to be a fun season. It already is. I'm pumped. I'm absolutely pumped. I'm having so much fun. Um, I have players starting to tell me, uh, I had Joe Palmer after the game tell me, you better say something nice to me on your podcast. I said, Joe, I've been nothing but nice to you on my <laughs> podcast. Um, but uh, they're starting to they're starting to listen. They're starting Love to get it. engaged. They're starting to get excited. And it's been awesome. So Love I'm really it. looking forward to seeing how this team develops. They still have some development to do, but uh, – there's going to be some great opportunities in the short term and then conference before you know it, conference season will be here and, uh, and uh, it's going to be awesome this year. I love, I love hearing the students chanting Joe, like it is, it is awesome. And, and uh, somebody, somebody said he's so 13th grade with that headband and <laughs> I can love it. Um, I am all for it. It is. He's fun to watch. He brings yeah, energy he and, but, you know, one of the things last night, he, he had it in the first half. He didn't when he came back in in the second half. And, you know, he went to the bench. You think about some players that would just probably leak into the next game and they'd be pissed off. And this team doesn't do that. This team is, again, it's a team together. And we saw last, last year from – when Zay came back to until about the last five games of the season, this was not a team. It, it, it was splintered, and we, we started getting it at the end of the last season. But what we're seeing now, it, I mean, it is it, it really is a team, and, and you, you see it with their movement on offense, and you see it with their movement on defense, and it's fun to watch. And these last three games, the B.C., and in Creighton and in and, and last night, it, it has been it's some of the best stretch of basketball that I've I've seen from CSU. You know, Mike, talking about the team together stuff, I I don't want to keep going on and on, but there's so many things that are so cool about this. You know, Jalen Lake doesn't start this year. He plays, you know, Josiah Strong starts, 
those two guys are as supportive of any two players on the team for each other. Um, and it really shows because there's times when they play together and they play very, very well together, but um, they support each other. They don't care. Uh, one is starting, one isn't starting. They know they're going to get their minutes and jail and Lake is really more like a six starter. They really have six starters. Uh, uh, and he just happens to come off the bench. He can only put five on the floor to start. What's going to be interesting is with Joe Palmer, he's like the seventh man, but he could be a sixth man of the year in the Mountain West the way he's playing. He's playing that role absolutely perfectly. He comes off the bench. Initially, he provides energy, but he's making shots, and he gets rebounds. He had the first two offensive rebounds for us last night. Mm -hmm. um, he gets critical critical rebounds, and, he does, and the energy level is great. So you might have a seventh man actually winning a six-man award with the way he's playing right now. It's been amazing. It's been uh, more than I could have imagined how this season would have opened up. So uh, it'd be great to keep it going, get some of these guys healthy again. I hope we can get Pat back. It would be great to have him, as you said, Steve, against Washington. But uh, it'll be another good challenge, and it'll be fun to be there to watch. Look forward to seeing you out there, Steve. Yep, I, I am too, Joel. It's going to be fun. We'll have, uh, we'll have a good time out there trying to sneak down to the lower level seats, right? Because those got prices it. are exorbitant. You got it. We'll figure it out for sure. All right, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Keep up the great work with your podcast and uh, and your blog. We love it. You bet. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Mikey. Mikey, it's good to see you. I'm sure you we'll too. see you at some games shortly. I'll be, I'll be there for the DU game. That's going to be my first game of the season. So I figure that, that one's kind of – uh, well, we'll see. I don't want to put that out there, but if I'm going to go to one, again, you don't mess with the streak, right? Bull Durham. And uh, we've been winning without me there. So <laughs> that's a, So that's a good one for you to ease into. Don't... Exactly. All right. All right. Good, good deal. That's playing it smart. All right, boys. Thank you. All right. Before we wrap up with a little football talk, let me remind you about our amazing sponsor, Ginger and Baker. A great gift idea this holiday season is a Ginger and Baker gift card, which can be used for a meal in the cash or cafe restaurants, for a pie from the bakery, a gift from the market, or even a class in the teaching kitchen. Feel free to just stop by and have a great meal and experience. It's all decked out in holiday decor. And coming up Saturday, December 9th and Saturday, December 16th, you and your family can visit Santa Claus for a free photo event for puppies and families. RSVP at gingerandbaker.com. This is our favorite place in all of Fort Collins. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker. All right, Michael. Well, I suppose that we should talk about the disappointment of our CSU football team. I don't really have the heart to talk about it. I don't know if you do, but uh, I suppose we should somehow put a bow on it and wrap this turd of a season up. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I mean, there there was improvement, obviously. We know that. People that say that there, there wasn't are just being angry, but uh, they're definitely, it was a, there was a big time choke element to the season in, in a lot of ways. We talked about it a little bit last week, but remember I talked about the, the picture of the goals that they had posted in their locker room. There was 11 goals. And I think last week when we were talking about them, I missed the one that they did earn and that was beating Boise, but they failed on all the other 10, which is just astonishing. I mean, that just right there is a failure in and of itself. And the more, more than that, you know, I look at so many missed opportunities for growth for the program, like, 
escalating the the speed of the growth process here. You, you look at what could, you could have done if you just hold on against CU. You're up 11 in the fourth quarter. You give that game away. Would have been a huge step for the program, considering all the eyeballs that were on that game and the amount of uh, emotional investment guys like you and me and our whole fan base have in just wanting to beat those guys. And we blew it, right? You, you had UNLV uh, on the ropes. You had to lead twice in the fourth quarter. Couldn't win Couldn't win that. You blow a 17-0 lead at Utah State. You have rival Air Force at home. It's 13, 13 and a half, and you get outscored 17 nothing in the second half. Wyo, another rival that we choked to. You're down only 10 to 7 and a half. You're right in that game. You get outscored 14 nothing in the third quarter, as usual. Then you lose 24-15. Hawaii, well, you got everything to play for against Hawaii. You're up 7 nothing. You're looking to break the game open. You go up 14 nothing. BFN has Torrey open. He's a little late, gets picked. Turns into a Hawaii touchdown a few plays later. Rams fall asleep for large chunks of the game, just as they do every every game. And you next thing you know, you fall behind 21 to 10 after getting shut out in the third quarter for the seventh time this season. Seven times this year they didn't score in the third third quarter. It's a joke. They were outscored in the fourth in the third quarter, 90 to 40 this year. It's pathetic. So <clears throat> you need to just watch what happened in basketball last night. The joy, the momentum, the pride. Uh, football just missed on delivering any of that this year. You know, the one moment that it did, which was the Boise State miracle, most people had already left. I mean, you got to celebrate it, but, you know, we've got this culture, this unbearable culture of losing that people are just so sick of being down two touchdowns late in the game that they left. And, um, you know, I just saw like I, I just seeing social media and seeing some texts from friends and uh, seeing texts from our good buddy, John Baller's son, Nate, who's a sophomore at CSU. He sent a text that just talked about how last night was the most fun he's had a, at a game ever. And he's been a fan since he was little. That whole family, he's got three kids that have gone through school there. Two of them didn't see a single winning football season. Didn't see very many, like maybe one rivalry win in that whole stretch. Very few big games. And, um, you know, just so few high moments for our fan base. Um you know, and, and our, especially our students that go through their higher their entire school school uh, four years without seeing much. So I, that's what pisses me off with the people that crapped on our students for rushing the court. They can go ahead and shut their mouth. <laughs> There's just so few far right. between. I mean, let them have fun. There's just not not enough times where they get to do that. So uh, I just think that football wasted a golden opportunity to deliver something like that to the fans just by winning. Just that even the CU game would have made things different this year. Or And then in, in absence of that, get to a bowl game. I mean, that was so realistic and just the disgrace that they didn't achieve it. You know, and I think it lost – it took out a lot of the wind out of the sails of the fan base again. It's really inexcusable to, you know, <clears throat> everything we had to play for, a bowl game. Hawaii did not. They're coming off a blowout loss at Wyo. They had nothing to play for but pride. We had a bowl game on the line. Go to play in front of 11,000 fans in a podunk stadium. We couldn't get it done. It, it was embarrassing. It was it was tough watching. You know, we, we were on that group thread. How many straight first downs did we run the ball against Hawaii? Just, well, this is like nine straight first downs from, from when Braden – Braden threw that interception. Again, and it's a broken record. Talk about it every freaking 
week, every podcast, as soon as something happens, we go into a turtle shell. And he and Jake gets so wrapped up about not making that mistake. Yeah, we don't make any mistakes when we're running it for three inches, three straight times, and then punting. It was it was brutal. I mean, you talked about the whole – I mean, it was it's kind of the whole season in a nutshell. Come out, move, in the, move the ball well on that first, first drive. A lot of different formations. We, we just go down the field and score, stop them. Moving back down, we throw the pick. And then for the next two and a half quarters, we don't do anything. We're down big. It's like, here, go play. We come back and tie it, and then obviously we all know what happened at the end. It, it, it's tough. You 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 see, you do see the improvement. You do see a team that just never quits. Um, but we can't. We have to put. We have to put it away. We have to put games away. And I know we talked about it with Steve earlier with about the basketball game. That's what good coaches do. They figure out how to win the games, and they figure out how to to win games at the end. And we're not doing that in football. We're not doing that in football. Everything that we saw last night in that game, everything that we saw in that Boston College game, everything we saw in, in against Wright State and and La Tech, being down and and coming back or getting that lead and surviving when when teams make those runs, we don't see that in football. And CU, Utah State, Air Force, Wyoming, UNLV, Hawaii, that's six games right there. Six games that we had either the lead or ties at halftime. And we lost. And we lost them all. And, it, and it's, it's frustrating. Fifteen more practices would have been great for this program. Would have been great for the fans. I mean, I had I had Airbnbs and, and hotels in three different cities lined up, uh, you know, for the bowl game. And, you know, we're not there. But we had 15 practices for Braden to get better. We had 15 practices for our offensive line to get better. We had 15 practices for Damian and Marshall to get yeah. better. Two guys that look look great last Saturday night. And it's not there. It's not there. Now it's pray that everybody sticks on, you right. know, holds on through spring ball and so that we can start again next year. Well, and that's um that's the part of the losing fans. You know, there's there's just gonna be a ho-hum motivation going into next year where as opposed to if you go to a bowl game you're just feeling so much better and now you got you got an opportunity where you got CU coming to Fort Collins for the first time since 1996 and this should be a year where our fans are just gobbling up tickets and breaking records on our season ticket sales and new ticket sales and we're gonna I think I think because of the way this season went I think you're gonna see more fans in black and gold than we than we would have just by no. this I do. Every, everyone says that every year. We we've heard that 
We heard that at the end of Sonny's tenure. We heard that during Fairchild. We heard that after the four and eight year of McIlwain. And our and our season ticket sales are always always almost ex- the same every year. Every year. I'm not saying though every the year client. Year. I'm not saying though the client. I'm just saying that we're going to miss an opportunity for a spike when you oh. could have. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are going to that are going to so. jump on it. I think there's a lot of returning season ticket holders that are like, you know what, maybe I'll just grab two more. Hell, I saw that like a single ticket is one thirty. Yeah. BU game, might as well get pay two seventy five, right? Pay double and get six more games that you can bring somebody to or unload, right? You know, we have we have we have multiple tickets that we don't even use. Just give them away at the tailgate. Just right. it'll happen. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I don't think that we can worry about that. I think what the focus needs to be is. How the hell does this program improve? How yeah. do we get the program to improve? And, you know, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I'm not in the – I'm not so much into the fire Joe Parker uh, group. But you kind of wonder, like, is there – if Jay doesn't win next year, then what happens? You know, I don't – Firing an athletic director and a head coach at the same time is not good. Because then you have to worry about finding two dynamic people to turn around a program. So that's why I, I've said it. I said it when when we had the, the round table discussion, said it last year. I think Amy really needs to sit down and decide what's the direction of our athletic program, what's the athletic of the uh, the direction of, of the football program. And if she truly feels that Joe is the right move, then I'm right there backing him up. I love Joe. I think we all know that you love Joe, but it's not working. <laughs> Something's not working. Football is too important. You gotta, we gotta see progress. We gotta see not just progress at this point. We need a major step next year. Um, And I am not, I'm to the point where, look, man, I three years is not even close to enough for Jay. Not four. I he should get five. And I and I say that from a standpoint of we've turned over our football staff too much. And every time you do it, you get set back. I know everyone says it's a different era, it's the portal, you can get better faster. And I think you really can do that as well at CSU. And every time you do it, everyone's bringing in their new call. Oh, we got to change the culture. It's always changing the culture. And it takes two or three years to change the culture. And you got players that leave and they follow the coach or they leave because they committed to a certain coach or position coach. And once they're gone, they're not going to commit anymore. So you're starting over with a roster at bare bottom and you're starting over. And it's, I, I don't want to do that. And I really do think Jay can be the guy. And I think he's got a lot of qualities that make you believe he can be a good leader. There's just he's just not pushing all the right buttons yet. And um I, I think I, I I need we need to give him time, in my opinion. I, I just let him let him stay here, let him entrench himself, let him keep getting his players, and hopefully he figures out, you know, how to push the right buttons. Right now, I think they have failed in the standpoint of getting their schemes and players to align. Like 
He's got his way he wants to play. We may not have the exact perfect players for them offensively or defensively, but he's trying to fit square pegs into round holes, and it's not always working. And we're just not seeing the results. And, and I think good staffs, good programs, figure out a way to mesh those, at least to get to a point where you're a functional team and you're winning, winning some games. And we've lost basically every 50-50 game that there was this year. Um, you know, and you look at – some of the talent we had. I mean, what would they just name? Uh, we had the defensive player of the year in Mo. We had four, uh, four first four first teamers, twelve that uh, that were named first, second, or third team, and five more honorable mentions. So, um, you have that kind of talent, and you can't get six wins in what was really a mediocre Mountain West tournament, uh, Mountain West conference this year, and a dud of a non-league schedule. I mean, it was attractive because you had CU and Washington State for the Pac-12, but none of the teams we played in that conference were 500. So, and you can't win six games against that. I mean, there was no powerhouse teams in our league. Every team was average. We couldn't freaking get six wins. And now you get guys hitting the portal already, which you knew was going to happen. TJ Crandall kind of hurts. Um, he would have been a starter next year. Um, yeah, yeah. I just saw today Jackson Stratton um, is hitting the portal. Not a surprise. Probably one that got a lot of time here, a real realistic shot. I do give those guys, by the way, any guys that transfer here, I don't love it, but they got to do what's right for them. But I give them credit for staying through the year, unlike those guys last year who left after four games and quit on their teammates, which was total BS. Um, so what do you what I mean, what's what are some of the things you need to see this offseason that are just imperative for us to take a step next year? You know, one of the – for me, the biggest thing is is I, Jay needs to give up the play calling. He needs to give it up, and you, I get it. You see, some, you see some coaches in the NFL. You see some coaches, but there's not that many. There are very few that call their own plays. And you go – take the Hawaii game, for example. That call – on Oxley stupid play a stupid play we get him we get him pushed back it is going to be third and 15 out of, out of the touchdown range and he's just walking back and turns and says how to say the magic word to the ref boom 15 yard unsportsmanlike but that's something that like a head coach should be on the team now, I'm not saying it's going to get rid of all that, but look how many dumb penalties like that we had all year long. And to me, it's when you are so focused as a head coach on one thing during a game, that kind of stuff slips by. Yeah, It just does. It just does. Joel, you you coached long enough. You know, I, I, I coached the high school level forever. And whenever I finally got my head coaching job, I was it varsity assistant and lower level coach for nine years, head coach for seven. Whenever I took over my first, when I took over my program, I gave up everything. I used to call the pitches. I used to, I was an outfield coach. I called the pitches, um, worked with hitters. When I became a head coach, I did everything. And I was focused on every player. I hired people to do all that stuff. And Jay, bless him. Obviously, he knows football. But when you're focused on just one thing, 
All the other stuff goes by. You go back to Fairchild. We said the same thing. Is an undisciplined team. You know, we were losing it over here. You know, we weren't paying attention on defense. Bobo, undisciplined team. We're, uh, we're losing it on defense. We always look great under both of them, the first 15, 20 calls on offense. And then after that, head in the playbook. And then the next three quarters, we didn't have that. We're seeing the same thing with Jay. If he doesn't trust Matt Mummy to call plays, then he needs to fire Matt Mummy or move him, demote him, whatever, and then bring in an offensive coordinator that he trusts to call plays because it's not working. Are you? And we, we've talked about this. When you have a Carson Strong and I can't remember the tight end and that receiver, all those guys that went to the league his last after his last few years at Nevada, they cover up a lot of stuff. Yeah. They cover up a lot of stuff. Our, is our is our game is our play calling during a game? Would you give it a grade of an A or even a B? No, I I, I, I wouldn't even give it a C. Yeah, and it's, how, it's how about our game management? You think our you think we're on our A game game management, making all the right decisions and having the feel for the game? No, so he's not doing like he's got both of those on his plate, and he's not doing either one of them exceptionally well. So I would rather him say give up play calling so I can manage this team make those right decisions, get on someone when they're making a stupid unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, decide whether I really want to go for it in this situation or uh, how I want to play this scheme. You know, those things that when he's more focused on what he's got to do in his next series and what plays it, it, I I totally agree. And, and I was willing to give him a chance because I hated it when Bobo did it. And granted Bobo was a good play caller, but his game day management was terrible. And just other other aspects of the team lacked because of it. And, and now we're kind of seeing it again. So I was willing to say, look, Jay, you've been doing it at Nevada. It worked there, but it's not working night, right now here. And I don't want to go to an, I, I want us, I want something to feel good about where like, I, cause I like Jay and I think he is a CEO and he's a great leader. I would love him in that role to manage the entire team on game day, make sure we're dialed in, work with all aspects of the team, see the big picture, and let someone else focus on the play calling. And I think we, uh, from what we were told, Matt Mummy can do it, and he's good at it. I don't know why he's not getting that chance. So um, I, I, exactly. I, I agree with you. And, and they're nonstop. They're always talking about, I mean, on social media, they're always talking about Leach. They're always talking about how Mummy, look, if you don't trust Matt, yeah, then find someone you do. Because, again, you can't, you can't, focus so much you can't put so much energy on just one aspect of a game because they always talk about there's three there's three teams on a football team you got your special teams you got your offense you got your defense and if you're a head coach and you're only focusing on one that means you're letting two slip you just are yeah well um you know and then freddie People are calling for Freddie's head. That that's silly too. Um, Fred did not forget how to coach in one year. The guy was a hot commodity. Jay said, "Look, there were two schools, Power Five schools, that offered him or wanted him, and uh, we were able to keep him. He didn't forget how to coach, but something something's wrong. Like something happened. I don't know what it was. What is the disconnect? Was it the scheme? Was it getting the players to understand? Do we not have the right players for the scheme? And if that's the case, change the scheme." 
you, you have what you have to work with. You got to. So I thought that he really did not do a good job this year, um, as did a lot of the, the team didn't didn't meet expectations. But that was a one area that was really surprising. Um, but the answer is not to fire him. Um, figure out where, where it went wrong and fix it because he's a good he's a good human and he's a good coach, obviously. And he's he's he was a wanted coach. So um, I, I just think everyone's on this. The answer is always to fire somebody. And I don't I don't believe in that. Um, so I, I 100 percent agree with you again. You know, last year I, I said it. We both said it multiple times. He was the best coach on staff. Yeah. But it's almost a. It's almost Jay on a on the defensive side. So he's the D coordinator. Andy's the defensive backs coach. I thought our by far our weakest unit on defense were was our defensive backs. Again, God, you look at that. You look at any time any other team needed to make passes, we would be so far off that they would just gash us in the middle. Hawaii gashed us in the middle, and either turn the defensive backs over to Patton or get rid of Patton and Marcus Patton, the assistant assistant defensive backs coach or the cornerbacks coach, but either get either turn over the DBs to him or find somebody else that you trust that will, that can take that unit. It, it, it's, it's frustrating, you know, and, and I, I, I really like how I, I like him. I love, I love how he interacts with, with fans, especially with, with kids. He's great on the field. He has a ton of tackles, but when was the last time he, that he made a play? When was the last time our DBs made an important play? We, we didn't have a lot of them when the game was on the line, did not have it. I mean, I can't think of one where we came up and made and made a game winning play. I think the, the middle Tennessee state, middle Tennessee, we had the one stop. That's that's like the only one that I could think of the whole year, and yeah, every once in a while we, I mean, we we get a, get a couple interceptions. I don't know how many interceptions we had this year. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But you're right. I mean, that the secondary was supposed to be a strength of our team, and we had two great safeties. We got two. We got good corners. We didn't have a lot of depth. We had good corners. We had some good transfers to give us a little depth. I was really shocked at how bad the secondary was this year, and. Um, I don't know. It, it's uh, that that's one of the areas. I mean, we're going to have to backfill some secondary uh, this off season. We need linebackers galore. Um, always got to pound the offensive lineman. Hope you can get guys. You need depth there. You need some new guys. Um, always should be stockpiling linemen. And I just think BV, B, or BFN needs. It's a big off season for him. Um, I think he needs to get stronger, bigger. Um, and you wonder. I mean. I mean, we, we were so psyched for him. And we said, look, he off to a great start. The way he played against CU was fantastic. We love his attitude. We said at the time, look, he's a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. And he did. And it cost us in some games. But uh, I still think he could be the answer. I think he could be the quarterback of our future. But um, I'm also wondering, it, do we? Is it, is it smart to bring in a, a tr- an experienced transfer, a guy that – has experience. I, I don't, can you even attract one when you've got, you know, the guy that's going to be a sophomore and he was your starter last year. We also got, um, who is it? Darius Curry coming in. 
a kid from where's he from Cal Poly, something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's going to be a dynamic kid. He'll probably or Long Beach Poly is where he's from, uh, but he'll uh, he'll hopefully get you know. I hope it's open competition. You know, it should be. It should be open competition. Jackson Brousseau should get a look. Um, Darius Curry should get a look, and it should be an open competition. And and just he needs that. You need you need. I think Jay. Uh, even though in some games when it was going bad and and you just knew that that uh, that BFN didn't have it, Jay was like, "Look, he needs all the reps he can get. We got to keep him in there no matter what." And so I don't think he ever felt like he was at risk for losing his job. But Jay has said multiple times that the bench is a great motivator, you know. So um, if you're not worried about losing your job, you know, I don't, I don't know. So I think that they need some. I need. I think they need some. Uh, and uh, an improvement there at the quarterback position. I just think gaining a year of experience, maturing a little bit will help him. I'm, I am excited. There's a few things that I'm excited about next year. I love the fact that, uh, that we've got something to look forward to in our running back core. Um, I really do think Tory has a good chance of coming back. Um, we got this Jordan Ross coming in from Cali. He looks like a star. Um, so I, I think that there are some things that, uh, you know, uh, the, I think you're getting Dallin back, right? Dallin and Tory have a good chance of coming back. I think the offense has a chance to be good again. Um, and the O-line was, was, is a lot to build on. So that, that gives me some enthusiasm. I am a little, the defense, there's a lot to be proven there. You get both kickers back. So there's, there's a lot of reasons you can, you can have some optimism. I'm just, I can't get there yet. The the missed opportunity of a bowl game and, and everything we just talked about just, I'm not gonna lie. I'm pissed and I'm super disappointed in it. It's, it just, it pissed me off. It brought me down and I'm just so over bad football. <laughs> uh, so I want to, I want to say this about Braden. People need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> the, some of the stuff I've read about on, on the message board, he he's regressed so much. All he could do, all he does is throw off his back foot and, and, Oh, he's got horrible mechanics. He is a freshman. I pointed this out. You look at our multiple year starters that we've had. Look at their numbers from from Moses to freaking Grayson to um Bradley. His numbers are phenomenal compared yeah, to numbers. You know? And even the Hawaii game, yes, that interception was huge. That was a 14-point swing. And you can't have that in game 12. He threw for 315 and two touchdowns. Now, yes, he needs to work on his mechanics. Every quarterback goes through this. Every quarterback goes through this. Obviously, if he doesn't put in the work, he doesn't deserve to be the starter. He's going to put in that work. Throwing off the back foot. You know who, who always got bitched about by our fans for throwing off their back foot? Matty Newton. Exactly. The fuck, the sheriff. <laughs> you know? And everyone everyone always complained about him throwing off his back foot. You know what? Sometimes you have to throw off your back foot, especially whenever, the, whenever you got a rush on you. You don't have much to do. Yes, he's got to improve. I would love it if he would run i don't know if he's coached not to or if he just doesn't feel comfortable with that there are so many times on that read option 
Yeah. That if he just kept it, kept it one time, one out of the eight handoffs, one out of the eight read options that he has, if he just keeps it, he'll get 20 yards. There's a lot of times where he'll slide in the pocket and he's outside. And instead of going forward for five, six, eight yards, he'll try to force one in that comes, that comes with, with experience. And, and so I think our fans are like way too jaded and I understand it, you know, but he, there's, there's way more positives with Braden than there are negatives in my opinion. And it wasn't, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously some of the plays that he had were costly, but I, I put more of the blame on our defense. I mean, our defense had chances to win games this year and blew three games. So um, yeah, yeah, he, he, he was more than we could ask for. We didn't even expect him to play this year. Exactly. Exactly. We were expecting Clay the whole year. And this is somebody who came in, uh, in the third quarter of the first game. And then that's how he got the job. Yeah. So again, I'm not too worried about him. Again, I like our offensive line. We did lose Cameron Cooper. I believe he entered the portal, but, uh, you know, he did, he's uh, the UTEP grad uh, transfer that, I don't, he didn't get any playing time after I think the Utah tech game. It is, I mean, you always want some depth, but you do want quality depth and it it just wasn't working for him. And I wish him luck. I think I I like what we're bringing in. I think our offensive line is okay. I think, I think best is getting better (laughs) as, as the O-line coach. I do like what, uh, how we improved with our, with our pass and it looked better when you have better running backs that hit the hole and then it could break tackles. Then your run, yeah. then your run blocking looks like it improves a lot. And we saw that these last three games um, receivers will be great. Whether Tory or comes back or not, obviously would love him back. I think Holker will be coming back. His wife has another year and she's, you know, one of our best uh, on the track team. So I think, I think that'll happen. Not too worried about the offense. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, talent, offense, uh, offense took a step. I mean, the, the the frustrating thing about the offense was the that they would go, it would disappear for long chunks of the time. But I mean, it was so, so much night and day different than last year. When what do we do? We ever score more than nineteen points last year in a single game? I don't think we did, and I think we averaged twenty seven points a game this year. Something so, like that. Something like that, and it was a drastic improvement. And the sacks were way down, and the you know. Uh, well, I think we were like top of the upper echelon in the league in in quarterback protection. So um, that that was a, a pleasant surprise. But there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen. It's a big off season, and um, I think a little luster came out. We were all excited about Jay. I think a little luster came off with the way that this season ended. I, I count the season as a failure, but there were definite. You can't ignore that there were steps, positive steps. And now it just means to me that they need to take a bigger step than, you know, I thought maybe next year uh, eight and four would be good. And I guess I would gladly still take that at this point, but we need something. We need something big. I, I want to compete for a conference championship. I want to be in the mix at, at least, you know, late in the season, you know, where it's, it's something that we're looking forward to and and not dreading as the season goes on. So we, we uh, I think eight, eight is the, is the benchmark on it. If we don't get eight, I think something 
something major has to change. Um, I'm jump off the building. Year, this year was a failure. This year was a major failure. Failure not getting yeah. to six wins. Yep. I got one more thing. Volleyball. I I can't. I was as upset. you want to bring me down further. You want to bring us down yeah. further. I was as upset about Friday night, last Friday night, as I was Saturday night. And I got to tell you, oh, my gosh, last week was so CSU. You know, women win on Tuesday. Men beat BC. They beat Creighton. And then Thursday night, volleyball beat sweeps New Mexico. That was four straight sweeps. I'm thinking, man, we have this. We've turned that corner. Right. And then freaking Friday night happens. We're up to blow the third set. We had four match points in, in set four. You know what? We, we, we call out, we call out Braden. We, we, we called out Tanjay and Stevens and, and other players in the past. Our Lubero absolutely blew that game. Had the serve to win the match and nets it. And then the next, the, they served to us and she completely shanks it. She gave up four points during that run where we had four match points. And it's just, we had nine seniors coming back to this team. And this is what happened. And, you know, I know that the UNC coach turned us down. Uh, and that and and that we went with Emily, and and I think she can do it. But this year needed to be completely different, and it wasn't. And and it is it, it is extremely disappointing, especially who we had coming back. And I hope we don't get hit uh, hit by the transfer portal. Um, and I hope that we can replace in it because this program should be the top of the mountain West by far, we should be the top in the mountain West and like it, like it was for a long time. And we haven't, we haven't since 2019 last year, we were co-champions this year. We finished second in both le- in both league and the tournament. So you could still say that, yes, we're the, we are the class of the mountain West. UNLV did nothing this year after winning it last year. Fresno state came out of nowhere to win the, uh, to win the tournament, but we, we, we can't do that. And it, and it just, it, 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 it has to change. And again, this is something we got football and volleyball, which truly are, have been our best programs over the last, you know, since sunny and all the way up. And right now they're not, and they should be. So that's it. That's my, I'm done. I'm done being negative. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna choose that to believe that we didn't have this conversation for the last half hour, and that only the first half hour of this conversation existed when we talked about basketball. So, appreciate everybody for listening, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Steve earlier for uh, talking hoops with us. Have a good rest of your week. Let's go beat Washington Saturday night. Can't wait to be there. I'll be there with Steve. Looking forward to watching that. Let's go to eight and zero. Go Rams. 